Good morning. This is Alicia Bales. I'm in the studio with Michael Hunter, and this morning it is Pomo Perspective. Good morning. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. So, Michael, you are the tribal chairman for the tribal council at Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians. Correct. So, how are things going out at Coyote Valley these days? You know, for me personally, there this is challenging times for me. It's uh, I have my election right now, and we just had our primaries, and I this was the election where I decided really not to campaign too hard because my hope was my work proved um, proved to everybody, my my family, my my reservation tribal members, um, and the tribal members abroad that. I'm doing the good work and that I'm leading and I'm trying my best no matter what. And I'm learning from my mistakes very quickly, overcoming them. And uh, lately, to be honest, I feel like I'm on point. I feel like I've made that turn to where I could see four years ahead. And um, I say four years because of my election terms are four years. So I try to do all my goals within four years. I don't like to have any goals carrying over that didn't get it finished. Um, so I'm up 75% when my primary, so I feel confident. Um, there's a few that ran that were not qualified, and but they're my cousins, and, and they're good people. And I, so I never, at first I was a little irritated, to be honest, because I was like, man, I work pretty hard, boys. Like, come on, you got to see this. But then I just realized that, you know, for them to actually have their own vision now after seeing what we've done on our reservation to where they think they could do better, why not? Isn't that the goal, right? So I have to have perspective because, you know, if you don't, it'll, it'll run you down. It'll run you ragged, and you'll start to think the people don't support you, so why are you there, you know? Um, but like I said, 75% is not a bad turnout not in my favor, a right? Not bad, not yeah. bad at all. Well, so um, can you talk a little bit about that primary election process at Coyote Valley? Yeah, so what we do is... is uh, Everybody puts in their puts in their letter of intent, and anybody could apply for could apply to run. So it's open ended, and anybody could vote. There's some reservations that you only only um, residents could vote, or within so many miles of your reservation. But for us, we felt because we're such a small tribe that we had to open. We had to make sure that our doors are always open. And uh, remember, we were terminated in 1957. So when we were so when we were reconstructing our our bylaws, our constitution, um, a lot of Indians didn't have live, live on the reservation, you know. So we had a different perspective than many. So we we decided that because we want to vote and we don't live on the reservation, that we should probably leave it open to everybody. But it's limited to people that can run because. Uh, and I think this was this was good. This was good. Uh, they left it to Mendocino. Lake and Sonoma County. So if you're not into three counties, because if you don't know your area, it's going to be hard to represent the people, you know. So there are um, folks from Coyote Valley who live all over the country? Oh, yeah. We got Tennessee. We have Southern California. We have Arizona. We're, yeah, we're, we're everywhere. Well, it's, you know, we were landless. So you had no choice, you know, you were kicked off your home, you know, and um, in 1957, you know, so it's not like it was, that's my, that's my grandma's generation. So they had to, leave their reservation and and go and um, buy property and they couldn't even buy property then they had to have people white people buy it for them so they could get it because uh there was laws back then but there was a lot of old school mentality to where indians shouldn't have land you know 
So there's a different perspective on that Constitution. Now, we have a runoff. So there was five that ran total for chairperson. We also have a tribal chief in our Constitution um, that plays a role. And he won overwhelmingly as well in the primaries. And there's oh. about five that ran against him as well. How does that differ from the chairman? Well, I take care of all the business and the business that happens on the reservation, whether it be economic development, but also ordinances, policies, procedures, government, etc. But uh, he, the chief, it's uh, John Felix Jr., my cousin, and he he takes care of initiatives, referendums, people that are voting. So when we go to votes, so to, we're going to amend the constitution or we're going to change ordinances. He plays a role in that. So he represents the he represents the membership when it comes to their concerns regarding the council kind of reverse but it's really cool huh. we work is it like um, you're sort of the prime minister or the no the um speaker of the house and he's sort of like the president no okay <laughs> i'm the president let's say let's okay. get this straight right. i'm your president <laughs> so governor whatever you're thinking <laughs> no he's yeah. the uh, election board let's say that okay you know he's the second what is it secretary of Yes. Yeah. Secretary, Secretary of State. Of State. He's it. like that to where he makes sure everything's fair to make sure that the concerns outside our administration are being met as well. And they have a process that goes through like recalls, um, initiatives, if they want some changes on some different policy we created, things like that. Got it. Yeah. Oh, so where we're at. So we had the runoff. We both of us. Um, we won overwhelmingly. I won about 75%. He's about, he was like at 85%. Man, I was a little jealous. I'm nice. not going to lie. I said, hey, I'm doing just as good as him, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're on the, we're on the same team and we get it. We're on the same team out there, you know, but, uh, I, I was a little, um, I, I go back to a little bit on, on, on my, on the people that ran against me or ran against him. And I just want to focus a little bit on that because vision is what is key. It's all about the vision, right? And my goal is to change the vision um, of my members to see further, you know, more linear. We have to see things. And I think they see it. We've, uh, in the last eight years, you know, my two, my two years, we, I mean, my two terms, we, the four-year terms, too. So I get two four-year, I have one four-year term. I'm in my second right now. And starting in January, I'll most likely be in my third term. Um, and we... You know, when I first got there, we were over 20 million in bad debt from contractors and banks and uh, architects taking advantage. You know, I mean, our tribal council hired the right people and they just ran with it and really screwed us. And since then, we've built a fuel station, a convenience store, a new casino, 30 new homes, a new community building, remodeled all of our HUD homes except nine, and we're still working on that for that budget. Um, we're doing really well, and I think the members see it. And we're almost finished with our hotel. COVID hit us, so we had to stop there a little bit and regroup and you know, weatherize and get ready for the winter. We'll probably start up again in March. And, uh, you know, I have another vision for my next four years, too. You know, I see, I do see another expansion in our fuel. I do see another expansion and possibly a hotel for numbers work for our existing hotel. I do see a lot of little different things, possibly an amphitheater, you know. Um, and then there's a lot of businesses that you do that are not always uh, infrastructure related, you know. So those are the ones I really try to uh, be creative on because making money off of something that's not infrastructure, it's harder because you can't see it. And there's not as many people doing it, you know, like a hotel. I can just go find a hotel somewhere and see it with my eyes, talk to people, learn it. 
Um, you can't really do it with a lot of businesses that's just on paper, and you're getting creative on the business that's just on paper, you know? So you got to get really deep on that, and I think we're doing that. I think we're getting there. I feel comfortable about it. I feel good about it. And I, and like I was just saying is, I think more importantly, I think my members see it. Like I said, I didn't want to campaign too hard this year because I wanted to know my work speaks for itself. I wanted to get to the point where I believe that, that my my cousins and our tribal members would uh, vote in their interest, in their best interest. And if you if if you cannot see the thirty homes going up, you know, infrastructure being built, gas stations, casinos, the economic development being built, then you're really not going to uh, then you're just really voting on anger, pain, and I and I and I wanted to see that 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 shift, and uh, it was so pleasing because after my primaries, I became confident about myself, not not an arrogance, confidence of I could do anything, a confidence about myself to where I truly believe that I can accomplish anything that I put my mind, time, and energy, and thought into. And I truly believe that now because I've learned the skills. I've learned how to do business. I've learned how to live on a reservation, off the reservation. My perspective is unique, and I'm able finally to see that in a, in a, different, in a different way to where I can actually look at Michael Hunter, the tribal chairman, the the, the the young boy that was raised on that reservation with no homes, no water, nothing to the to the white world to be honest with you like i've been I've been doing the government I've been doing it for a long time. My mother's a tribal leader, so I've learned a lot from her on how to um, be in the government world. It's not comfortable for me as it is home. I could be at home and and get and get ridiculed for nonsense, and for some reason it's my home court. So I'm able to handle it. But when I get outside my home court, it's hard for me. So I have to challenge myself constantly. And I've been doing that. And lately, like I said, um, I've gained that confidence to play in both worlds. And I finally feel as if my my people really see that. And uh, I feel honored to represent them, you know. It's pretty good. It's a great feeling. I'm, I'm in a unique situation. So in 75% of the primary vote is a, a nice vote of confidence. Yeah, and uh, and even if the vote, the four that ran against me combined all their votes, I still win by like 20%. That was great, you know, and I don't say it because I'm trying to brag. I'm saying it because I'm proud. I worked hard, you know. Um, my my members, uh, the, we're, we're evolving, you know. And How I, do you communicate with them about the projects and the vision that you have? I do vision boards, so I created I created this. That's a style that I've learned over the uh, over the years of you know um, of making mistakes and learning from them, rebuilding what not to do different. So I map it. I literally like I have a chart where I map it where I would do differently, you know. And and now when I start with the new projects and um, I'll create a vision board for it, and you'll actually see a rendering of it, and that that way people can see it, and then I'll put a budget number to it, and then I'll put an actual construction timeline to it, so they see it, they see the progress. You know, the problem here in Mendocino County, though, is uh, we have fires, we have floods, we have droughts, we have now we have COVID, we have all these types of deals. Um, we we have to battle things that other companies don't have to in the cities, like 
you know, when we have fires, people stop construction because a lot of those have um, contracts where they have to go and do fight fires, which they should, right? I mean, that's what they should do. But that means our construction stops for for 90 days, things like that. So we're in a different we're in a different um, a different world here in Mendocino County, and uh, we're just trying our best to figure out how to maneuver through it. But I feel like feel like I did. I feel like I've accomplished it. I feel like I know the path now. And now that I know most of the mistakes I made and I've written them down and I could see them, I don't make them again. You know, so I, I, man, I never felt so great right now. I'll tell you. Yeah. And I, I, I used to feel guilty for, for, for being so darn happy, you know, and it's because I recognize the pain that, that happens on reservations, the pain that happens off reservations. I see it. I, I'm not blind to it because I was in that household. I was in that camp. So I see things that happen that normal people cannot see unless you're raised, you know, in that, in that situations and all, a lot of situations. And for now, um, I just decided that I, I want to share my happiness. I want to share my success. I don't want to be embarrassed of being successful. I don't want to be embarrassed of my tribe being successful. I don't want to be embarrassed anymore. I'm proud. I don't, I don't see any Native Americans um, other than my mother um, and other tribal leaders in her time um, have platforms for, for me to learn from. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm out there by myself because it's economic development, different game. And I want to be that, that person. I want to be able to say, hey, I know how to build homes. I know how to build casinos, gas stations, hotels. I've done it. Don't, and, I, and I'm not better than anyone. I just learned more because I've done it. Where do you think that, that little feeling of embarrassment or that sense that there's something to be embarrassed about by having developed those skills, where does that come from? Man, that probably... See, I was a part of that culture. I would see uh, people post on Instagram, Facebook, and or uh, out there telling their successes. But when you're, when you're the audience and you don't see the successes that they see, you don't feel them, you don't understand what they're saying, at some point you think they're just bragging. And I think I battle with that. And the confidence I'm, I'm getting now is, no, you can see them. They exist now. So we're all looking at the same thing. So let's not pretend like we're not successful. Let's not pretend like we're not leaders of this community anymore. Like we are the leader in this community. And, you know, I, I, I still have friends, um, friends that I went to high school with badmouth my gas station, badmouth my, my casino and those things. They look at them as, as, um, government or they look at them as something that's not related to me, but they would never do it to a small business. And I sit there and go, what? I don't, I don't understand that because in my mind, we went to junior high, high school together, and yet you could get on Facebook and badmouth my business, but you would never do it to a small business. It, it's hard for me to understand that, but that's the perspective I have to have because I don't know this for a fact. And as long as I don't know it for a fact, I'll keep trying, you know, keep trying to explain to, to people that don't understand that, um, we are the business, one of the largest businesses in this area. You want to support us. Why? Because we employ people. We employ a lot of people. We insure a lot of people. We do a lot of those things. You know, um, so I get mixed bag, but I'm learning. You know, I'm learning.
I think if you ask um, non-natives in Mendocino County who the largest employer is in the county, I bet you not very many people would say the tribes. Right. I would say the tribes, many of the tribes may not even know that because what they see on TV, what they hear is totally different. You know, there's, I'm the only one on the radio talking about this, you know? So all they see is the success stories of the non-Indians. So they must, they must have the most employees. They must be making the most money. They must be the most successful because that's all I hear, right? So 99% of the time, other than when, when you and I are on talking about, you know, local reservation economic development, real economic development. We're not talking about ideas. We're talking about things that we've done and have accomplished. Um, they don't hear it. And so it's, it's, uh, it's hard for them to even know that they're one of the largest employees, employers in, in Mendocino County. Like even my cousins, some of them may not know that, you know, but we're teaching. And now when you drive by on Highway 101, you know this. You see it. You know this, right? <laughs> when you drive by Redwood Valley. Right, sure. right. I was told cocky one. Oh, don't be so arrogant. Arrogant? I'm like, I'm proud. I'm happy. What do you do you know how much work it took to do that? It was eight years in the making. I had to build water, electricity, sewer. I mean, all that comes before you even see a stick go out of the ground, you know? But we've done that, you know. So yeah, my I mean, call me Eric, call me whatever you want. Because <laughs> at this point I'm pretty stoked, pretty happy, and you know. And we're, we're, we're just on point, I believe. When is the election? Well, we have our runoff. This is horrible. This is how confident I feel. I don't even know when that day is, to be honest with you. I send that absentee in. Uh, I know Friday we, we, uh, Friday we hire a, a, a independent consulting group to run our election. So there's no, so nobody thinks anything's happening. And they just, uh, they just verified it last Friday. Yeah, last Friday they verified it, so I believe it's 10 days after that the new absentees will go out. No, absentees went out Friday, so we're waiting to get them this week, and then we'll have 30 days. So. Okay, so and this is the Coyote Valley Tribal election. Right. You just got through the primary and the general, and, and it's you and one other person now who went yeah. to the primary? Yeah. The top two vote-getters kind right. of thing? Right, Okay. Right, and uh, I really don't, um, this audience would not know the person. So there would be no point in sharing. Um, and who gets to vote in it? I mean, who? who tribal members, right, 18 and, how, and over. How many are there? Well, we're a small tribe. Um, I try to throw some history in here as we do our discussions, too, because so people understand why we're not like Navajo or Hoopa or Kuruk. Um, many, 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 if not a majority of the tribes in California were terminated in, 19, in the 1950s. Excuse me. In the 1950s, so when they when they got their land back in the mid 1970s, you know, the the people that wanted that land kind of took the prime land. So we kind of got pushed out in little areas, you know, where there's not much population. So uh, and small reservations. So we have a little over 400 total, uh, a little over 200 voting, and then less than 200 non-voting. How many of those um, voting members live on the reservation? You know, we run stats like that, um, and the last one we ran was before we built the new homes. So at that point, we were looking at, man, I I'm just going to throw some numbers out there. They're not that, they're not that great. Um, 
but I would say probably 25%, uh-huh. you know, and maybe now 30, 35% with the new homes being that we built. Do all of the tribal members, though, benefit from the economic development? Like, is there some way that the whole tribe sort of benefits from that? You know, this is the, the, the beauty of, of, of share, of being able to tell your story. You asked that question. How do you get the members to understand what you're doing? And I, so I show the boards, like I say, I show the budgets, I show the numbers. And when they see that, they get behind you. And before, I think we've always said we're going to do these things and we never did them. So the, so the members didn't believe it anymore. So this time I had to figure out how to show them, some see pictures. So the first time I, I did our, our fuel station, I had like five different renderings in our membership meeting, and I had them on the digitals. And I had, you know, this is what's going to cost. This is how much we're going to get um, at the end of this. This is how fast we'll pay it off. Man, were, our members were only making about 200 bucks, you know, and people say, oh, they're making all this kind of money, blah, blah, blah. And they decided to believe in me and in, the, and in my presentation and say, we won't take much then. Get it done. And man, how, how powerful is that? A community, a poor community said, no, we see bigger. We see what you see. Enough of them. I mean, it was a fight. Don't get me wrong. We, <laughs> oh my God, we, we've had, you know, tribal members, uh, one particular tribal member, my cousin, their family was against the low income housing tax credit housing that built 29 homes, right? So their family was against it. And, and when we waive our limited waiver sovereign immunities, we have to bring it to the membership. So we're in an auditorium with everybody yelling and, and doing whatever they do. You know, it's, it's a townhouse just like anywhere else, you know, <laughs> maybe more of this in the South kind of a townhouse. And, uh, and then applied for the house and got one. And I said, and because I created, we, with the council, we created a, a, a process on who qualifies. So we didn't just pick. We said, here, here is the process, and here's, you know, if you have more kids, you get this. If you have this and that, you get this. You get more points, you know. <clears throat> so we did that, and she qualified, and afterwards I said, um, cousin, I want you to know that I don't do politics. I said, this has to be the proof to you and your family. You got a home. You got one. This is the proof. Go back and tell your family. Don't be so mean. She literally said to me, I should have got the bigger house because I'm trying to get my sister's kids. And I said, but you don't have them. You know I'm going to get them. And at that point, I realized there's some people you could never do enough for. And those are the ones where I have to mentally and physically for my health um, realize that helping people in her predicament is helping her, but I'm not gonna, I can't do it directly with you anymore. But what I'll do is make sure I'll help the others that are in your predicament. That way you'll be helped too. So just, right. you know, ride it, ride it. And now we're at, um, we so just, it's, so it's just not, it's not personal. There's equity built in and whether or not there's, um, some disagreement or somebody has come out against you, they still qualify for the hurts. benefits. Right. It hurts. It's my family. It's cousins. You know, it's people I was raised with, people that see me, people that know that I'm not, I don't do those things. You know, I'm a pretty decent person. You know, they know better. And if, and if they're to talk, they don't talk to me directly because they know that I know better. They know that I don't, I haven't done the things, you know, you've done. So how can you judge me? I know your story. You know my story. So let's not pretend. And I got to the point where I say it. 
you know. Um, but we're going back to the economic development a little bit. And what happened with that is for the first time, it's our first time now is we finally increased how much money will go to the tribal members. So they get a monthly, you know, deal. You know, I even thought that's a thousand bucks a month, you know. So that's great for us. You know, we're stoked about it. You know, and I'm probably not supposed to share that, but a thousand bucks a month isn't too much, isn't much. It is helpful. It's helpful, right? Right. And it's nothing to uh, be embarrassed about, you know, either way. Whether you're, whether you say I make too much or I or I don't, whatever that case is, it's it's just helpful during these times. So, I mean, we were able to finish our casino in October. We shut down in March, which was crazy, and then we opened in June, and we were able to help increase. You know, we're we we've done it in a hard time. It's hard times right now. You know, m money is tight, and we were able to do it. You know, but we put a lot of time, energy, and thought into it, and and their patience paid off. You know, just think about that as. They, they they were okay with accepting very, very little from, from economic engines that make a lot because we wanted to self-finance. And that's what we do. We self-finance our projects. And um, so, so I have to balance it. Essentially, they invested. Yeah, they're the investors, right? Yeah, good point. Really good point. I'm going to start saying that to them. You are the investors in this. You get to decide what you want to invest in. You can invest in your pocket now, short term, or you can invest in long term for your children. But here's the thing. I'm not saying it with words. I'm showing you graphs. That's the difference. I already did the homework. I did the RFPs. I did the bids. I did everything. And now it's there. It's just a matter of you saying yes and let's break some ground and you trust that I could get it done. Let me reintroduce you so people who are just tuning in know who they're hearing. This is Michael Hunter. He is the chairman of the Tribal Council at Coyote Valley Band of Pomo Indians. And this is Pomo Perspective. I'm Alicia Bales. And um, Michael, I wonder when you're talking about leadership and the leadership skills that you've developed over your two terms as chairman of the Tribal Council, um, what do you think about in terms of how you've developed these skills. You said that your mom was a tribal leader and you, you learned from her, but how do you think about the next generation? And, and, cause these skills are concrete skills, right? They're really essential skills and there's a, they are hard one. They're not easy to, to develop leadership skills. You've got to have the opportunity and then you've, right, you've got to have the drive and the vision. Do you think about how to teach these skills to up and coming leaders in your community? Man, it's, it's hard to do what I do and find thought. Um, you know, time and energy gives you the, the opportunity to think and to think over and over about one topic over and over and over until you figure out how to teach. It's hard to teach. Um, it's hard to do, let alone teach, right? I'm still in the do phase. This year, we did put a lot of time and energy into trying to, I, I told myself that uh, in June of 2020, I'll, I'll, I'll take myself out of the economic development so much and start focusing on the community more um, with programs, education, and those types of deals. Those take a lot of thought. This stuff, the stuff I do takes a lot of thought, but it has structure, it has timelines, you know? This is all creativity. How do I do it? I don't know. It's never been done before on the reservations I've seen. So how do I take it to a level that is just above and beyond my imagination? So what our council decided to do, and it's really, really wise. Really, uh, I have a greatest council. I really do. Um, we're they're we're wise. They are. They keep me wise. I'm smart. They keep me wise. You know, because you know they keep me in line, and that's important. And I trust them 
to keep me in line because I could go too far. And they trust me to know to 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 give me a lot of length, you know, a lot of a lot lot of leniency. Let's see what he's got in that crazy mind of his. Let's see if he can really pull this off. And and there's times I don't, but most of the time we do. And we decided we're not the ones to have that creativity. If that were to to uh, teach all this, you know, to teach, you know, to uh, educate, um, because that's not our strength. So what we decided to do is say, okay, let's change our budget. We're just going to put money and administration into this education department. Health, we do health and education is our key ones right now, because of COVID too, right? And now we're going to put together a lot of time and energy on it, how we're going to interview. First, how we're going to our job descriptions, how we're going to uh, interview, who we're going to interview, the qualifications, and let's take our time now because we don't need to fill it. We just want to fill it with that right person, and it took us a long time to find that right person, and we're and I'm so stoked because I think we did. Her name's Kristen. She's a new educational director, and she has you can see the passion. And she has the the resume already, and usually the resume doesn't add it with the passion a lot of times, you know. But in this particular case, it does. We hired a new tribal administrator who I, I feel has his heart in the right place. And uh, with my leadership, the council's leadership, I think we have two key people that could open our minds on what we can do. And then we could tell our perspective on how we would learn from that. So it's kind of a unique situation. We're trying to teach ourselves. So it's it's a... Uh, it's a learning curve for all, but once you create that formula, if we create that formula, that's my goal. You know, I mean, like I said, we 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 built a new community center right by our gym. We did a new computer lab with uh, thirty new computers. We have uh, our kids actually. We do the social distancing. We do all those kind of things. We make sure that we're on top of. It. We provide food for our kids, and we make sure they come to school in our gym. Right. So you. So as schools are closed in the county, you guys right. at Coyote Valley have continued to do in-person instruction we learned it it was hard we were scared and then with all the protocols and and uh, we have a good health department and, and myself and our general manager and our administrator we put a lot of time and energy into policies and procedures you know so we are comfortable i i feel i know that we are running our tribe the best we can possibly run it and i would even put our protocols up against any other business in this area because we do it by collaboration, and we put hours on top of hours, and then we review it right in front of the tribal council to see if they read it the way we're saying it. And if we could get the council to read it the way we're saying it, then we're talking two different languages, right? Because you're talking the business protocols, procedures, but then we're also talking, you know, you know, tribal members from our community that ran for their elected position to represent their people. And um, I always say, I'm a product of my reservation. They're a product of their reservation. You know, so we got two angles. And because of that, I think that's rare. It's, I, don't, I don't know if you have common citizens and people working in these businesses at the same table with, with elected officials and the health department creating a policy and not leaving until those policies are done and then take it to another level and say, now let's apply procedures to that. It's all good in theory, but if you don't have procedures on exactly who is going to do this, what department, what position, you know, so we name it down to position. So I know if we come up short in the area, I know exactly what person was taking the lead on that little piece, right? So that's what we do. And I'm, I, we, so just on the education point, if we could figure out how to bring in the best, the top, the best, 
like Coach Carter, you know? I'm looking for Coach Carters, to be honest with you. I don't care what ethnicity for me. You know, my kids don't either. We're diverse. We're Native American, Mexican, black, uh, Filipino. We're we're all over. So we, we don't have these problems that, that you guys may have, you know? <laughs> oh, you mean uh, racism? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would say you guys, like my dad's, my dad's Caucasian, you know, and I always just say, you know, you guys, dad, you know, not me on this one, you know, but then when we talk about something else, I'm like, yeah, mom, you know, you guys over there, you know, so I just get to get on. I, just, I jump on whatever team I want to jump on when it comes to those things, you know. Well, and when you're talking about education and the in-person schooling, let's switch gears a little bit to talk about how Coyote Valley is dealing with COVID. How are things going? I believe that they are going let me rephrase that a little bit the question i believe it's not how they're going i believe that we are doing everything we possibly can that stays ahead of what's going on so i don't try to react to what's going i try to stay way ahead and ask those questions so we can have a policy and procedure for future incidents. So for me, I look at it a little bit different, and I, under, I understand the question. And because we're able to say five steps ahead, and there's sometimes it catches up. Make no mistake, there's things that happen where I, go, I didn't see that one, but we address it that day. We sit down to full council, and we, create a, we add to our policy, so our policy and procedures are fluid in this. So we constantly look and review and make sure we're addressing every every um outlier right because that, that's what this is it's just the unknowns you know so we make sure we try to address as many as we possibly can so i feel comfortable knowing that we're we're doing what we need to do now it's now i have to educate members and and we do it so we do it all by text flyers and we're, we're man we're on top of it and so we notify them if we have our reservation goes on lockdown if someone gets it you know, um, they go, we go back to essential, you know, like um, uh, shelter in place. Yeah, it depends on different levels. Right. Depends mm -hmm. on what you're saying. Right. But if we have a certain family that that um, gets covid and it's happened and they, they work at a certain place. Right. We make sure everybody does their 14 days. We have our admin staff on the top end of the business um, go down and do those functions. I mean, we're, we're doing like we I do security. Um, People do cashier, top management, general managers. We're prepared like that. So that's why we don't have to close down because we're prepared to have a new force every time, a new workforce uh -huh. to give those people that distance. We shut it down, we clean it, and then we do it again. But keep in mind, you know, like we, we shut down the casino every day at a certain time. It's, it's you, you, you could do it smartly. Don't lose money, you know. Do it at a certain time when no, not many people are there gambling. You know, so we do it at certain times, but then we do deep cleaning, you know, and on the C store too, we're, we're, we try to stay ahead of the game and we just recognize that people are going to get COVID, you know, and we got to do our best to make sure we isolate, but also have put a hu uh, human aspect to it. And uh, we make sure that we get reports every week on, did you get them groceries? Did you make sure you're in contact with them to get their prescriptions? Don't put them in positions to where they have to leave for their own health, right? And so we recognize that. But remember, we're them. It is us. You know, my family lives on the reservation. My mom lives there, you know? So I have to make sure that I do everything I possibly can to keep my mother safe. 
which in turn keeps all our elders safe. I got to do everything I can to make sure my great, that my, geez, great, I'm already going there, that my grandbabies, um, <laughs> my <laughs> grandbabies, not, not yet. yet, my grandbabies um, are protected, you know, and because of that, all the other grandbabies are protected. I know that. I'm one of them. I see it. That's the difference. Um, and COVID brought me back to that because sometimes when you get caught up in economic development, it's hard to get back onto the, onto the government side, the social aspects of it. And uh, like I said, in June, I came back, put a lot of time and energy into it. And I think we're there. So as far as COVID's concerned, it is what it is. And we're going to manage the best we know how to manage through it. And I think the county should probably ask us questions. I think um, businesses could ask us for our policies, our procedures, um, probably larger businesses. Well, we have a convenience store, so so maybe smaller businesses too. I'm not sure, but it's a good template. It's what a good you, draft. What would you tell them if they did come to you and ask how you do it? I'd just email them. I'd say, email me your email address, and I'll have someone forge our policy and procedures. And But here's the thing too. i got to trust you. I ain't sending them out so you can humiliate me publicly. I've already, they, I've already been attacked too many times publicly for me to help you and then be attacked. It just doesn't make sense, you know. I'll do that for my members, you know, because that's, that's my role, right? I got to make sure I'm there to lead everybody, you know, whether you like me or not. My job is to make sure because if, if I, if I don't help you, that means I'm not helping a lot of other people in your same situation, right? So I think differently. I think differently, but for me personally, as far as COVID, the world stopped and our casino stopped, the engine stopped, and it gave me the opportunity to find myself. And I started doing a lot of walks, um, four, five, six, seven, eight hours. I did 12 hour walks. And what I started to realize was you could answer a lot of your own questions you could fulfill a lot of your own ideas just by yourself and Google, to be honest. You have your phone, you're walking, and if I came across something that I needed to learn specifically to advance that conversation I was having with myself, I'd Google it and I'd find out. And I was able to do that, and for the first time, I was able to have conversations on specific topics. These aren't just generalities. These are specific topics. And I'd put them on the shelf and say, okay, we didn't get far enough. Remember, when I say we, I'm talking about two perspectives. My father, my white world, my mother, my Indian world. And I, pre- and I, in my mind, I could have questions on both sides. And then sometimes we don't get anywhere. We just don't. And so we shelf it. But then I started to find later on, and this theory is just now coming true in this last three months, is now I'm not having my mind open and sitting at other tables and paying attention to what other people are saying. It came back to light. A few different projects that I worked on for a few years, I couldn't figure out how to advance, came back to light because I was able to pay attention. I was listening, you know, but I figured out how to understand my idea, put it on the shelf. So when those were talking, I knew exactly how to go back to it. Um, I'm curious about some of the most successful responses to COVID that you were able to develop. Um, maybe one or two of the sort of things that you've done that have really been successful. Here's one that I never see in policies and procedures. They say departments, call a department, but there's no person. There's no 
one really picking up, it seems like to me. We made sure that we have a team that picks up the phone. We have a team that knows what lane their experts in. We have a team that knows how to respond. And we didn't at first. We learned too. Don't get me wrong. But when it's your family and you live on a reservation and the kids play amongst each other 10, 15 at a time, it's a different ball game. I live in a, in a we, we're in a cul-de-sac of family and friends and aunts and uncles that live together and touch the same things, play on the same toys, right? So we also had to learn um, how, I mean, there's, let me just give you an example. If I wasn't, if our government wasn't helping somebody, all they have to do is call. You know, they could talk to my mom. They could talk to my sister. They could talk to me. They, they talk to their, to their cousins. And every one of them wants to be safe and healthy. So then they call us. And then we learn the new, the new thing we didn't think about. And then we assign somebody to that. But the key is assign specific people because when the, when the question arises on who's supposed to do this, I already have the person in mind. They already know their job versus me having to go find out who that person could be. Five of us getting together. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? We're, we're beyond those phases. Interesting. So not down the chain of command the chain. in departments. To right. To me. Like I, I reach out as well. Um, uh, and, and we have HIPAA laws, right, that we have to abide by. So we have right. to be very careful. But I'm also the delegate to our Consolidated Tribal Health Project. So it gives me different, and I'm the chair, it gives me some different you know, leeways that others may not get, right? And so because of that, um, I don't reach out personally because um, I don't want them to know that I know, right? But they reach out to me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and once they reach out to me, um, I'm able to give them that calm. You know, there's some families where give them calm. You're fine. And then there's other families, you know, your kids were doing this or you need to stay in your house. And they, you know, we have those battles too, right? You know, a lot of ignorance. You know, in, in, in any community, every community, it seems like, especially right. and, on this. And then there's a lot of disinformation out there as well about COVID. It's, um, man, you, you don't even know if the, your information is correct, you right. know, but all you're doing is as much research as you can to get there, to get to that point, you know. But our community, our, our community pulled together and COVID really did. You had, you had no choice. It's survival mode. Right. And as long as you look at it as survival mode, you can make the best policy and procedure. But if you're not looking at a survival mode, then, then, then there's too many loopholes because you, you're not, you haven't became one of them. Remember, I'm, I'm one of them. You know, do you have anybody in your community who doesn't believe that COVID is a real threat? Like yeah. the, the sort of anti-maskers? Yeah. Jesus, man, these, I got some cousins that had their sweat lodges and I had to figure out how to stop that. Like, stop. And then I have to figure out, well, I'm not going to arrest you for it. So we have the same issues, right? I'm not going to arrest you for it, for doing your, your traditions. You know, I get that. So then I have to stop community members. You don't go in there. And I got to start telling them, you know, hey, don't go in there and explain to them. But I do it. Our council does it too. We all, we, it's our family. So we call, we pick up the phone and we tell them, hey, hey, don't go there if you want to come hang out with us, right? Because don't get us sick. And uh, we had one incident like that, exactly like that, and everybody learned. And everybody said, fair enough, fair enough, right? <laughs> fair enough. Because the whole, the whole tribal government shuts down for 14 days because they're all, they're, all, they're all in those offices, right? Because they've been exposed. Possibly, right? And we want to be safe. 
and we trust our employees to work from their homes. You know, it's a lot of admin work, so you know, why not work from your home? It's probably a better place to be honest. And who doesn't want to work from home, right? True that in some ways. Right, right, right. Some ways. If you can, yeah, if you can work from home and and make it be effective, it it is it has some it has some good things about it. Some fun perks. Yeah, you know, I feel like I get more creativity. You know, it's one thing when people come in your offices and always asking you things and you're responding on those, you know, one minute questions, um, when you could be really putting eight hours of real thought, time and energy into your procedure, I'd, I'd rather have them do that. Yeah, you can get a little bit more focus in a more kind yeah. of calm environment, I guess. It's a good, it's a good blend, I suppose. I think so. Um, okay, so the other thing we wanted to touch on before we finish, this is Pomo Perspective. It's Michael Hunter here. He's the chairman of the Tribal Council at Coyote Valley uh, Band of Pomo Indians. Uh, I'm Alicia Bales, working the controls. And I wonder if you want to um, talk about the presidential election. It was momentous. Yeah. We're just sort of looking back at the last four years of, of Trump and, you know, look and, and starting to digest what it all means. Um, any thoughts about the presidential election? Any thoughts, right? It's just like, how do you put those thoughts in order? And then how do you relay those into words, right? And express them how you feel. I don't know if I would have the perspective I have now if Biden would have lost. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not that righteous. <laughs> I mean, I come from some humble beginnings and we made it out and we know our culture and a lot of those things our family does. And I always feel pretty confident in those areas, but in, I don't know how I would have responded. Um, we have a man that doesn't talk policy and I'm a policy maker. So I understand the difference. We have a man that's, spews hate and I thought and I thought for sure a hundred percent sure that the acquaintances and distant friends that I have that support Trump when they seen Trump say proud boys stand down is that what it was he stand by I think. stand by stand down something like that it's the, there's no there, it's black and white he said it on all channels it wasn't just on you know, CNN, MSNBC, it was on Fox, your channel, your channel, it was live. So that one really hurt. And that's when I realized I'm going through this uh, phase and it's kind of a, a learning phase for myself. I want to be able to share my perspective um, because there's a lot of good people that support Trump for one way or another. And being a leader and being someone with that wants to have influence in his community, outside his community, I have to figure out how to understand them so I could understand how to talk to them and give them my perspective in a way they would understand. They don't have to agree, but in a way they would understand. So in the next four years, eight years, their kids grow up to be 18 and they understand my perspective versus that perspective, right? Because the election was too close, just too close. And that hurt too, you know. Um, but I'm still in the phase of filtering out just the jerks. There's too many racists. You know, and there's too many racists that I know. And when I was in high school, 
I always felt different from the guys on the basketball team, different from the coaches, different from everybody. And over time, I thought that was my own insecurity. I started to challenge it by when I went back to college later on in my life, just a couple years ago, right? And I started to challenge it. And I started to shed a lot of that. And I started to realize, yeah, man, that was just me. They weren't like that. That was me feeling that way. And then this election. And I sit there and say to myself, no. I, I feel the way I feel because I was partly right. I have to learn your perspective on how to manage my life in your world. But you never have to learn my perspective to manage yourself in your world because you're not the minority. That hurt. That really hurt when friends of that I've grown up with, I want to say friends, but just distant friends, you know, that I grew up with, I see their Facebook posts, I see their ignorance still, and I, and I sit there and say, I was right. I felt the way I felt because of you. And now I know specifically who. Like, dude, I always thought that about you. But the majority followed you. So I felt like I was the outsider. So I created all the insecurities. I'm the one that didn't want to go to high school. You know, I'm the one that had to do this and do that. I'm the one that was tried to be, they tried to shame me for, you know, hanging out with the Indians, you know, those things. But. We're beyond that. So now I have to figure out who are the ones worth talking to. And then who are the ones that I just have to ride off because I don't have that much energy for those ignorant people. I'll tell you that. So I don't know. Georgia plays a key role. Let's just take this a little bit, you know, broader. Georgia plays a key role. If we don't get the Senate, I don't, I think you see a lot of executive orders, but you don't see the change we need in climate change because if we don't have the Senate, you just can't get it passed. I don't see us gaining any support in the, gaining any seats in the Supreme Court. I don't see us coming up with any, any real, real institutional, life-changing legislation that the people want. Both sides, they want something. Everybody's fighting for a reason. I don't know why they're all fighting, to be honest, but, but they're fighting. So we have to figure that out. And if we don't win Georgia, we get a lot of executive orders. We get to be thankful that we have the veto power. We get to be thankful that at least we have some balance and calm. But then I worry the argument later to the people I'm talking to for the next four years. Say, well, nothing's got done. I told you. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones I worry about because, you know, there's, there's a small percentage, but there's a percentage of Native Americans that, that um, are just so anti-government. They don't like Trump, but they're so anti-government they're not going to vote for Biden. And that's a vote for Trump in my mind, unless you live in California, right? But, but you know, in Arizona, 98%, 98% of the Navajo people, oh my God. If, and if that don't tell you the pain and suffering that's happening from COVID, that's a 98 response because they're struggling. They're dying, right? But my media, I guess, allows me to see that. The the people I follow on Facebook show me the pain. I see it. But I don't think the Trumpers that happen to be good people are, are surrounding themselves with the people that are having this type of pain so they don't see it. It's false. It's fake to them. So when the Trump says fake news, they believe it. And so it's my job, I guess, 
in my one my little way to try to make that difference and um, educate those ones that I think um, are worth my time and energy. And as long as I don't sacrifice my time and energy for my goals that I need to do for my people, I feel like I need to figure out how to share some of that. And this is a start. The radio station's a start, you know, for me. Uh, well, this is this is good. I get to share my perspective, learn how to share it, you know, learn how to articulate my words to where a whole nother ethnicity, a whole nother government, a whole nother nation outside of Indian country understand it's different. Well, and I, I thank you for coming here and, and sharing that perspective because it seems like when you uh, grow up in a community and, and finally have that moment of truth where you realize you've been experiencing racism all of your life and it's been it's infiltrated all the way into your sense of who you are, uh, you might not choose to come and, and talk and, and share that perspective and, and try to push through it or recognize that, you know, that the racism is real and it's a problem and it's holding us back. And and decide that it's going to be something that you take on on an individual level, you know, like you could very easily just say, forget you people. <laughs> well, I'm going to take on not the racism. I'm going to take on the ignorance. So I'm trying to find the ignorant people and educate them with perspective. I don't think there's much hope for the racism people because they're just mad. They're just mad, you know, and I see some of the Facebook postings and some friends follow them and they're like, like, would you join this parade? And it's like, um, you know, those. Those uh, what are those Mississippi flags? Those 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 crazy ones, Dukes of Hazard flags. Oh, the those. Confederate flag. Yeah, and it's hell yeah, I would. And I'm like, oh my god, what? That can't be real. And then there's people following them and liking them. I'm like, oh shit. This that's is scary. so funny. You call it the Dukes of Hazard flag because that's the first place I saw it too. Was on TV. The, right. The Confederate flag. Right. Me too. That's the only way I know. I didn't even, you know, <laughs> all I'm, these people. I'm, I'm, I'm play a touch. I didn't even know about that flag until Dukes of Hazard. Then all of a sudden, Trump won, and I started seeing the same flag again. You know, I'm like, how did this flag come back out? You know, nothing. That flag in this area or where I travel has been put away for a very long time, but now it's loud and proud. You know, I'm like, what? You know, and maybe that's the difference. You know, what I, I, I see a lot of Trump supporters driving around with the United States flags in Mendocino County. Not a lot. What was 25%? So thank good, I good work, Mendo. 25%. Good work, Mendo. Made yeah. me proud, you know. So that, I mean, we're just saying that Biden got 75% of the vote and Trump got 25% here in Mendocino County. So it's, yeah, vote of confidence. Right. Made me feel good. Made me feel better. Made me want to come on the radio show and feel like I'm talking to 75% of the people versus that 25 that I I didn't weren't sure if they were the 75, to be honest, right? But, you know, if we separate that little piece right there of uh, symbolism, at least they didn't have the Confederate flags. So I try to find these little things to say, wait a minute, they are different from the people in the South. They are different from the mean people just wanting to fight everybody. Just we are different here. Finding hope where we're you better can. here. Mm -hmm. our, uh, even our Republicans are Democrats when you compare it to. To Georgia, Florida, Texas, like, and I have to look at it as a statewide versus national issue because our our Republicans here aren't them. They're not them. They just think differently, you know. And those Southern Republicans are crazy, <laughs> racistly crazy, and that's where I try to start telling my friends like. Forget the policy, because you can't debate policy because you don't understand it. You're not trying to. So let's just stop right there. But I'm trying to find a new, a new conversation to be had. And so I say, forget policy. You see these people right here that have these Confederate flags doing the harm that you see on TV? Yes, they're not you. 
but they're the base of this president. There's a 25%. Yes, they may even may be the minority of you, but dang, my minority are hippies. I, I posted on a friend's Facebook. There's a difference between the right wing and left wing because so you have the you know the people in the middle try to say you know I don't like the left wing just so they could bash the right wing right and so, so that's our disclaimer. And I said there's a difference. My, my my the left wing are just too kind, so we wouldn't be able to do infrastructure with their ideals. <laughs> right, right, right. They but don't want to. They don't want to. Don't want to disrupt anything. Right, right. But then you have the base of of the Republican Party in the South. They're mean people. They truly are racist, and there's a reason they elect racist people. I mean, they have a history. Study their history, and you wouldn't want to be a part of that. You wouldn't, if you knew that history, you wouldn't want to be a part of their. Their, you wouldn't want to be a Republican. Well, and we're talking about David Perdue and um, Luffler in in Georgia. I mean, if you're talking about oh. Southern racists and the need to take the Senate uh, for the Democrats in order to get anything done under a Biden administration, those are the guys. And that the racist could also corrupt. We, this thing is this. You know, I know we're coming to an end here a little bit, but how about those black folks, huh? They showed up. Oh, man. Woo. Well, I never seen I've. I've never seen so many ethnicities like combining and actually choosing their leader to help lead them. There's a difference. You can all be on the same page, but when you're all on the same page to choose leaders to lead you, then the work's getting done. We gotta remember how that feels. We flipped Georgia. Arizona I knew. Nevada I knew. It was already coming. We flipped Georgia. That tells you, right? So in the grand scheme of things, it's happening. The pain isn't healing because we thought we would get 60 to 70% of the vote. It was a 52-48 type of deal, and that one hurt. So that made me sit back and try to reanalyze the work that needs to be done because we have to win this younger generation over. Well, I think that's a good place to, to end it. We've got about a minute left, so if we want to think about just a little kind of tiny little seed for what what you're thinking about next yeah let me use this real quick so i'm going to try to to uh be more of an influencer in my community outside the community as well and i'm going to really try to focus on you know increasing my facebook my instagram but i'm gonna start a podcast and i'm gonna try to do a lot of live things i'm a little embarrassed to do it because you put yourself out there and a lot of people you know they say you're arrogant you're this or that it's like no i just want to share my story and i think my story is good enough to be shared and i'm going to try it so thank you for helping me. Well, we are glad to provide a microphone for that. It's an important story, important perspective, and we're really, really glad that you're here. Oh, wait, one more real quick. Yeah. So I met this beautiful lady, Lake Mendocino, and I told her I would mention her. She's supposed to be listening, and uh, I got you in there, and thank you for teaching me to carry a bag every time I go to the lakes. So I can at least throw some of that glass and garbage in there. Oh, hey. She's doing great. She, talks, she says it's the one-minute rule. I don't know what that That's is great. Yet, but I love That's it. It's a great thing to, to leave you. people with. All right. Well, it's Pomo's Perspective. Michael Hunter, thank you so much. We'll see you back in one month. Appreciate Thanks it. so much for listening.